I am your host, Taryn Burke, and you are listening to The Witch's Muse, Stories Beneath the Surface, where initiation and inspiration meet, and we explore the many facets of being human. Our work in the world matters. Let's talk about it. Join me for episode one of The Magician. We welcome in Lauren Roberts of Womb Tree Alchemy, which is rooted in three pillars of boundless magic. The pillar of self-care, of personal ritual, and of creative expression. We explore all of these facets in some ways, how it relates to the magician and magic itself, which really, as we come to, needs no one conclusion or definition. I hope you enjoy. Hey, we are here this evening with my lovely sister, Lauren, and I am so excited to have Lauren on the podcast, uh, season one, episode one, the major arcana of the soul. And I'm just going to give a little info, a little bio of Lauren here. So Lauren is the founder of Womb Tree Alchemy, which is a catalyst for personal empowerment within the female identifying community. Through online mastery courses, group workshops, intimate moon circles, and one-on-one coaching, Womb Tree Alchemy awakens ancient rituals to see the rebirth of a modern-day magical sisterhood. It is by channeling the power of lunar and feminine cycles that Womb Tree Alchemy connects she who is seeking direction with the potent magic within herself. A ritual-based personal development program at its core, Womb Tree is rooted in three pillars of boundless magic, self-care, personal ritual, and creative expression. These are the keys to unlocking the cyclical feminine power we all possess. Lauren is a master of moon magic, feminine mysteries, and is a ritual facilitator for women's circles. She is motivated by her soul's purpose to provide a strong foundation for any women looking to cultivate a deeper relationship with her personal cycle as a path towards personal transformation. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much, Tara, for having me tonight. I'm so excited to be here. Just reading the bio and connecting into the bio, just those three pillars of boundless magic and self-care, personal ritual, and creative expression. I'm really excited just to connect on those three. So starting off the podcast uh, this evening, I really wanted to connect to a deeper question. And for me, so much of this podcast and of this work is about those questions. And so for me, the question that really is stirring is, what's the sole question that keeps you up at night? Kind of a theme throughout my whole life really has been this question of um, just my own transformation and the transformations that are going on around me. Um, This question about, you know, my own growth Am I growing the way I'm supposed to be? Of course. Um, you know, am I <clears throat> am I becoming the person that I'm supposed to be in the time frame that I'm supposed to be doing all this work? Of course. You know, these questions that in, you know, when I ask myself in a, in a moment with my sister, when she's reflecting back to me, the, the answer is always yes. But these, these questions about transformation in my own life are always 
um, coming up for me. And I think that's sort of, you know, why the moon has been such a muse is she's always shifting and gives me confidence that, you know, in my highs and lows and, um, you know, and all the work that I'm doing for myself and all the, also for my community, the moon reminds me that, you know, the transformations that I'm going through are just a part of it. And, um, you know, yeah, it just goes back to always to transformation. I think that a huge theme always in my life has been big change. And, you know, the person I was five years ago is not the person I, I am today. And 10 years ago is not the person I was five years ago. And so I think that I'm always shifting and cycling and just trying to stay grounded through that, you know, question how how can I stay grounded through these wild transformations because I don't see them stopping anytime soon <laughs> I don't see um you know my addiction to um morphing and changing as I grow um stopping so yeah those are my questions that are keeping me up and so I'm curious like from the moon phases because we're gonna of course dabble in our lovely lunar phases today um, what phase calls you home to deeper transformation? Is there one phase? Would you love to kind of explore for listeners kind of what the phases of the moon represent, how they kind of wax and wane without sounding too punny, which I just totally did. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, I promise. Mm. Well, I think if I had to just choose one, it would probably be, probably be the, the new moon. Um, but, uh, I just have deep, um, deep roots with the new moon. I was born under the new moon. A lot of my initial work with women and in women's circles was in under the new moon. And really it was the first time that, um, connecting this like deep connection with that phase this like, you know, beginning phase of the cycle, uh, was really the first time that I ever really gave myself permission to stop and just take stock of where I'm at and, you know, um, really take a moment to set some intentions and set some foundation. You know, it's easy, you know, for the new year or for your birthday or something to make a wish, but taking the time each cycle on the new moon to just set those intentions and get my foundation set and make sure that, you know, the path that I'm walking on is still the path that I want to be walking on. Um, the new moon just is, is that, is that point for me in the cycle. But I'm also just obsessed with the productivity. And like you were saying, this expansion, um, of the waxing moon, I, I'm, uh, a sucker for checklists and the waxing moon is just like checklist central for me. Um, I just find this like outward pouring of productivity and like you said, things building towards fruition. Um, and you know, the opposite side of the new moon as after the waxing moon is that full moon peak. And I, and I'm learning to appreciate that other side of the the stopping point in the cycle um but you know here I am talking about every single phase <laughs> um you know right now we're in um sort of a swing down towards the the new moon in the waning phase and I 
this touches on that, what you were talking about, the contraction, this, you know, releasing or pulling back um, to myself where, you know, maybe I'm not hitting all those check boxes on my checklist, but I'm taking care of me, you know, I'm paying attention to myself, I'm finding that I'm more sensitive and I'm able to tune in to these deeper parts of myself during this like slower part of the cycle. So really it's like, it's the whole thing for me. I, you know, I love the new moon. That's the biggest, that's the biggest part of the cycle for me. But um, as far as like ritual and working with women and that sort of thing, but really the whole cycle has so much magic in it. And I, I just, it's, it's my roadmap. I like that you said roadmap. Cause I feel like, in a time where it's so easy to feel lost or without place, I I think for me, a lot of the conversation I think I have <laughs> maybe once a cycle, maybe more than that, is what the hell am I doing? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? You know, what? Like, what is my deeper purpose? And so much of the muse, I think that draws me near with that, um, is to understand that there are, there's those stories beneath the surface. There's the things in between that we just can't see that can only be felt. And as we move into kind of, you know, the part of the podcast or the part where we explore kind of the magician card, you know. The magician carries in the card all four suits represented usually within the card um, and wields deep magic. And for me, that is the moon. The moon is that representation of that deeper magic that's not necessarily um, makes a lot of sense on a linear way, moves again, not to sound punny, but it's happening again in a cyclical way. Like it moves in those cycles. And so for me, um, kind of stepping into how do you define magic? You know, as the magician's card, um, I just feel honored to, to say that. And, and, you know, another word for the magician uh, in the feminine could be the witch. So going to honor that. Um, yeah. How do you define magic in both the work that you're putting into the world and in your life? Like what? What does magic, how is it represented in your life? I have really been sort of stepping into this role, mostly for myself, but I think also for the women that I work with as like magic maker. And um, this idea that, you know, just in doing the work that I do as a partner and as a friend and a sister, uh, I'm, I am making magic by creating love in this world and by expressing my art and my, my truth. Like that is me bringing my magic into the world. You know, we, I think that manifestation and, um, you know, even witch and magic, all of these words have kind of become buzzwords in right. our, um, sort of social media you know, in this enlightenment wave that's kind of coming through social media. And this, um, I think that magic can sort of be, it can really be anything, you know, that is done with intention and comes from a place of authentic self. 
Um, I think of, you know, making a really beautiful meal or, you know, um, making my home feel safe and comfortable and protected. Um, hosting a gathering with sisters. These are all things that are my, that are my magic that I bring into the world. And I think that, um, I'm careful not to overdefine magic because, you know, that puts limitations on myself and the women and that I work with. And I think it's really easy for me. Um, something that I talk about a lot in the work that I do around ritual is this, this need to like overdo it and like you know, make sure that every, t- every time I stand in front of my altar, I've got all my robes and my jewels and my every candle and all the crystals. And it's so, there's so much, it, it, you know, you can do so much. And I think that there's times where that's really beautiful, but I think that for me, magic is sometimes just in one little candle and, uh, just like the little crystal in my pocket. Um, but it can be, um, it can be elaborate, but I also think that it's really important to find that magic in those little mundane moments in life, too. I'm like shaking my head and nodding <laughs> and smiling because I just I like can't reflect and relate enough to the simplicity. You know, I sometimes struggle um, with things not being enough, with wanting more having to look a certain way, having to go deeper, and then realizing when you know it's enough is enough to know. Like it's the simplicity of ritual and and noticing that it can be as simple as lighting a candle to set an intention for a space. Mm. You know, so my dear listener, you know, taking a moment wherever you are right now and asking yourself, what ways do you make magic, even in the simplest forms? So whether you need to go write it down or just think about it out loud, just how magic is infused in your everyday life. Because I think those who don't believe in magic will never find it, right? A wonderful roll doll, mm-hmm. my homie roll doll. <laughs> Way to bring it back. Um, he... It, it, it encapsulates it so well because it's all about the belief, the intention, the drive towards something um, and something deeper than maybe what what we can see. And I like not defining because really, mm-hmm. I mean, there can be real no definition. It, it spreads along so many boundaries and so many spaces and time and um, access to me always comes up with that too. Like in order to have something be undefined, it creates more accessibility. There's more equity. There's more space to know that it's relatable, that it doesn't have to take a certain amount of privilege, that you don't have to come from a certain thread or threshold. It's important to respect and not appropriate from said traditions that I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, especially as we deal in waves of some neo-shamanism and, and threads of that, which can really deep, deepenly wound, you know, magic from an appropriated place. And as Lauren mentioned, just the simple act of lighting a candle 
and setting intention for your space and your day. So yeah, again, just another question for listeners is how do you make magic in your everyday? In what ways can you make space for that? So connecting with womb tree alchemy a little bit more, uh, wanting to talk about, again, one of the most buzzworthy topics I feel uh, for women today is the word self-care. And it can look, emphasis on look, like a whole bunch of different things. And uh, I'll do a little shout out um, to a wonderful woman who is leading an awesome podcast called Self-Care Club uh, by Natalie Ross. I'll leave a link uh, in the description. And uh, she really helps explore the different realms of self-care. And uh, I love talking about this topic because just like magic, it has no definition. And just like magic can, when shown to others in maybe a way that doesn't feel, you know, from a place of wholeness or feel slightly fragmented, can leave people feel like they're not doing enough because my self-care doesn't look like orange peels in the bathtub and (laughs) like everything has a granite finished countertop. Um, Anyway. Um, so for, and that being said, it's, it's, it's really just asking oneself is what does, what does self-care look like, uh, to you and what does self-care look like within womb tree alchemy? How does that kind of take shape, take form? I love that you touched on it, um, how it can look, uh, many different ways. And I, you know, this idea that I'm like slicing up my expensive organic fruit to put in my bathtub is like, you know, nice. And I think that it's really like delicious I said, though. You might want to eat it. Yeah. There's time where soapy. doing that elaborate ritual for yourself is nice, but I don't think that it's realistic to think about that sort of self care on a regular basis. Um, and for me, you know, self care really just comes down to filling my own cup before I fill up everyone else's. Um, And that sometimes means baths, not normally. (laughs) You know, a quick shower definitely does does me good. But, um, you know, more often it's, you know, taking five or ten minutes right when I get out of bed to do some stretching, even though I'd rather like sit on the couch and just go straight to sipping tea, like really even just spending five to 10 minutes stretching in the morning, but it requires discipline, you know? And so self-care often looks like, um, being disciplined to do the things that I need to do that maybe I don't want to do, but that I know will serve me. Um, you know, self-care for me, it looks like nurturing other people sometimes. And so that, you know, that fills me up to do that kind of work. But, you know, like I just said, fill my own cup before I fill others. If part of my self-care practice is filling other people's cup, then I have to do extra work, you know? (laughs) Um, So I'm always exploring new ways that I can care for myself. And um, living in Oregon has sort of given me a new perspective on how healing just being in nature can be. 
Um, you know, I'm from, I'm from the West Coast, so I've always had access to beautiful nature, but it's just so abundant here in Oregon. And just this morning, you know, we just went out and did a little river walk and just being out there with birds and with all the buds that are blooming, it's just so healing. And um, that sort of self-care is free and accessible to most people can you know, get a few minutes outside of town just to reconnect with some, with some trees and some grass and the earth. But yeah, self-care is an ever, ever expanding topic in my life. And I'm always trying to find new ways to nurture myself because I know that I tend to nurture others first and, you know, you end up emptying yourself before you can really share the gifts that you're here to, to share. So yeah. And as far as the work that I do in womb tree, You know, um, I try to share that message as, you know, self-care doesn't have to be this expensive sort of um, elaborate ritual always. It can be, and sometimes that's nice, but just empowering women um, and, you know, empowering them to help the people in their lives just care for themselves because the more we care for ourselves, the more our loved ones care for themselves, um, the more we can all just share what we have to give. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely become sort of this buzzy topic that is hard to talk about as far as like getting down to that nitty gritty of what it really means to care for who we, to care for us first. Next thing I wanted to explore, um, was, uh, we talked a little bit about ritual and magic, which was kind of one of the pillars for womb tree. And then we connected deeper, you know, into the process of, of kind of what calls us home in self-care. And then it kind of leads us into the open conversation around creative expression. And so I'm going to come back to the magician. Um, and again, for those connected to the tarot. So the magician's card is card number one, on the tarot right after the fool. Um, and again, represents and holds all the elements of the tarot. And um, if you're familiar with the suits, I am just breaking it down really simply as you have the cups, which represent the emotional waves, the watery beings, uh, the parts of ourself that I think are sometimes softer. Uh, we have the wands, which uh, are in a way more that fiery external active element uh, we have the wonderful swords, which are the land of communication, the brain, that which stirs us into our thought process. Uh, and then we have the coin or the pentacles, which again takes different forms and shapes. It can be crystals and other ones, and again can take lots of different manifestations of, of what it can be. But the pentacles is what's happening in our earthly realm Sometimes it's a coin, so naturally dealing with, um, you know, that of finance or monetary value, but really that that is in creation in our in our earthly plane and, of course, has our lovely pentagram. So one of our witches oracles, or at least within my, my way of, of seeing some of the pagan ways, um, that kind of path of, of magic um, through the earthly realms or through Earth's mystery, I'd like to say. So, uh, 
curious your affiliation with the magician or I would like to say the feminine version of the magician would be the witch for me personally. And then again, that's just my personal stance. Um, you know, your experience with the magician card, what it means to you, any type of representation when you see it in a reading, maybe the last time you did see it in a reading, if it's actually been in your sphere as of recent. Um, and yeah, just kind of what that card brings to you, just kind of what, what shows up in your field from the magician's card and, um, I have a few cards kind of out for Lauren to see here so she can kind of different visualizations of magicians in many different decks and uh, just kind of see if anything stirs uh, for the magician. I've been working with the tarot for probably, hmm, gosh, I want to say seven years now. And I recently have kind of taken a little bit of a step back and I've been working with a few Oracle decks, which is kind of new to me. Um, but I've been really enjoying the sort of like straight to the point. Um, you know, there's not quite as much, uh, translation that needs to happen. I find with the Oracle decks, but, um, this, the magician is always one of those cards that has been very clear to me that I have a lot of layers to work through. It's this thing that, you know, there's a lot going on um, and I have, you know, you were just touching on discipline and having this choice. Um, so the, I find that the magician card for me comes up when I have a lot to work through and I have the choice to, to work through it and to make magic with it and to, um, you know, create the life that I've been working towards or to turn away and to not face that. And I think that, you know, the magician, the card, sort of this archetype of someone who is bringing stuff to life, bringing thoughts and and all the elements into the physical world. Um, this is this act of manifestation really sort of um, connects me back to, like you said, that that archetype of the witch and someone who has the power to bring dreams and wishes into the, into the physical world. So it's to me that the card is an invitation to take everything that I have at my fingertips, the good, the bad, all of it, and sort of throw it in my pot and see what I can see what I can make. Um, you know, and you said sometimes you, you said uh, a few minutes ago, um, Sometimes you say, you know, no thanks to the self-care. And I think sometimes you have to say no thanks to making that big magic or make, you know, taking that step to really um, pull in all the elements around you and turn it into something big or beautiful or, you know, whatever it is you're being called to create. Um, but I think the card is an invitation. And uh, sometimes you say yes. You know, right now I'm definitely in a phase of saying lots of yes to lots of making. So I'm glad that this is the card that's on the table tonight. So moving into the piece on kind of creative expression. And of course, within the creative expression comes the muse and it stirs in uh, the tendrils of mystery. I'd like to say it stirs without sometimes knowing that it's stirring and so, so much of this work, uh, so much of the way that I want to have these conversations or begin these conversation is when has the muse kind of come to you during times of, of darkness? Mm 
times in of shadow and and I and I say shadow with deep grace. I don't say it within times that um aren't hard, but really within difficult times. Stuff and stuff and where shit just wasn't wasn't great. And so for me just asking those questions again we come back to the deep curiosity of uh, what questions kind of stir you and and that is one for me is what muses you in dark times or what did you find inspiration in times of darkness if you feel like you're okay with sharing about a time that felt dark to you that you could reflect so there's a few threads here for me um as far as you know creative expression and touching on that I think that a lot of a lot of us, I'll say us as a collective, um, have this story that we are not artists and that we are not creative. And I think it's really, um, easy to just tell yourself like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not creative. And society sort of lets us get away with that. And they sort of encourage, you know, like, I think if you express you know, yourself creatively as a young child, they're sort of, you're sort of like pushed away from that as like, oh, you're just going to be a starving artist someday. Like you should get better at math or, you know, accounting or something. Um, and at some point I just kind of like realized that I couldn't continue in that story of not being creative because it wasn't true. Um, and I find that everyone has a creative expression to offer whether that's in creative problem, you know, solving creative problem or solving problems creatively or, you know, making art or writing poetry or building a community around a podcast. You know, there's many ways to express yourself creatively. And I think that going back to sort of this connection with the moon as a muse in my life and sort of this representation of the divine feminine in all of her forms, when I go back to the divine feminine and her most primary form is the creatrix and is this creative being who is bringing life into the world, um, you know, sure, through procreation and bringing children into the world, that is one way to express yourself creatively, for sure. I think motherhood is um a grand creative expression, but I think that there's a lot of pressure for that. That's the only way to express yourself as a woman. And I really empower the women that I work with to find the ways that they are called to express their truth in moments of joy, for sure. But really in these moments of darkness that you're talking about, finding ways to connect with that inner creative self is what's going to, is what has pulled me through you know, those moments of darkness. And, um, you know, without getting into too many details, um, you know, just with family stuff, we've all got, we've all got family stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of mental health issues in my family. And the last five or so years have really like, it's kind of come to a head and boiled over multiple times. And, just finding myself being this grounding force for my whole family um, in moments of chaos. And just, you know, channeling that energy that I sort of take in, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, filling, filling our cup, 
before we fill others. Um, but allowing myself to write really dark poetry and allowing myself to, um, you know, maybe not be that positive source of light that I'm so used to being, but like allowing myself to really scream and throw a fit, you know, if it's just by myself or with my partner or, you know, if it comes out as, you know, a really, really dark piece of writing that I feel called to publish, I don't feel that I need to have, um, you know, I'm empowered to create these things at this point in my life and I don't need to make an excuse for them. I don't need to apologize to the people who I offend with the darkness. Um, and, you know, those people who are judging me for that or who can't see me where I'm at, you know, they, they don't understand my story and they're not going to receive my wisdom and my magic and that's fine, you know. Um, and as far as getting to a place where I feel confident to share my truth and to, you know, give my creative expression to the world, like that has been a 28 year long path. You know, we've been, I think that a lot of, of us are cultured to not share um, our, our goodness and our magic. And I think that, you know, um, touching back on the mental health, a lot of the mental health issues that we see in our lives today, it comes from a, a heavy oppression of our innate connection to this creative source that we have. So, you know, I don't consider myself an artist in the typical source or a typical sense rather, you know, I'm, I don't, necessarily paint or um, sculpt or make jewelry. Um, but, you know, I definitely see myself as an artist in the way that I live my life. And I, you know, wish to live in a world where all women and men and those who identify as otherwise see themselves as magic and as creative because we all have that energy within us. It's just remembering and reconnecting back to that. And it's hard to do that in moments of darkness, but I think that that's when it's most valuable. Support for The Witch's Muse can be found through Patreon slash The Witch's Muse. Have an opportunity to dive into extended content, guided visualizations, monthly question and answers, and a look behind what it takes to make the witch's muse any tear is welcome from your cup of compassion all the way to your creatrix community so find something for yourself or for a friend look forward to seeing you on there patreon.com slash the witch's muse